Shadow, we all 
Father God, thank you that there's nothing that can separate us from your love. Father God, we come to you this morning with prayers and praise and thanksgiving for who you are and for what you've done for each one of us. Your grace poured out. Lord, you are amazing, and we just want to give you thanks and praise. If you'd like to unmute yourself um, and give your praise and, and, and thanksgiving to God this morning, then please, please do so. For those in church, if you want to do that as well, then please raise your hand, and somebody will be around with the microphone to do that. Uh, Janine will be around with the microphone. So let's just give our prayers, um, prayers of praise and thanksgiving to our God and Father. From Psalm 118, open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them, and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord, the righteous shall enter through it. I thank thee that thou hast answered me, and hast become my salvation. The stone which the builders ejected has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, it is marvellous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made, let us rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his steadfast love endures forever. Amen. So give thanks, our God, that you are an everlasting King, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the, the, the beautiful sunshine and the blue skies that we have this morning. We just praise you for that, Lord. We thank you. Um, and Lord, we would just want to, to come before you today. Lord, we want to thank you for the life of Prince Philip. Lord, we, we saw the funeral yesterday. Um, and Lord, we just pray for for those within the family, Lord, we just ask for you to, to, to provide um, peace to them at this time. Lord, we want to also think of those within our country who have gone through funerals where, again, they've had to be isolated um, and not able to comfort their loved ones. And Lord, we just, we just ask you now, Prince of Peace, Lord, would you just bring uh, your healing and your peace and, and your comfort to those that need comfort at this time. We pray for those that are in our hospitals, Lord, who, who are suffering still from COVID um, and are fighting for their lives. Lord, would you just bring healing? We know that you are a God who can do more than we ask or think. And Lord, we know that there are those in our fellowship and we still continue to lift them up, people like Josh Hayes. Lord, we thank you for him and, and we just pray that you would just continue to bring healing into that man's life. Lord, you are, you are an amazing God and a God whom we serve, and a God whom we love. And yet, Lord, you poured out your love for each one of us when you died on Calvary. And Lord, as we move towards communion in a moment, Lord, we just ask for you to just um, be with us. Help us to be, be mindful of what we're doing this morning. Help us to remember the sacrifice that you gave for each one of us. 
Lord, you are an amazing God, and we just want to praise and thank you. Amen. So we, we are going to move through to, to communion. If you, if you haven't got your elements ready, uh, then now is the time to kind of go and grab what you need to go and grab. Um, we'll be singing a song uh, just before we, we go into communion, and Tony will be leading us through communion. For those that are uh, here in the sanctuary, um, if you haven't got bread and wine, then unfortunately we are unable to serve you uh, under the current rules. Um, so just uh, allow the, um, I would say the elements to pass you by, but if you haven't got any, they can't pass you by. Um, but uh, just just um, relax in God's presence. Don't worry, that uh, I don't feel guilty. 
um, where we're just in God's presence, where we can honour him um, through this time, this act of fellowship. And uh, I, I just love that, that line in the song which says, thank you for the cross, my friend. Jesus is our friend and he did that for each one of us. So I read from uh, 1 Corinthians 11 and Paul writes to the church at Corinth, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Well, Jesus gave thanks, so let us give thanks. Father, we thank you for salvation's plan. We thank you that even at the beginning, you knew that we would fail you and that you would need to provide a way back to yourself. And we thank you, Jesus, that you were that sacrificial lamb, the son of God who left the glory of heaven to walk this earth as a sinless, spotless lamb, but was sacrificed for our sin and our shame. Jesus, we thank you that your body was given and that your blood was poured out, that we might be set free, that we might be released from the power of sin and death, that we can now walk with you in life to its fullness. And as we share these elements together, we remember the bread represents your body given for us. And the wine is your blood poured out that washes us whiter than the snow so what else can we say but thank you for the cross my friend amen so on the night jesus was betrayed he took bread and he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me so let's eat together In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, this is the new covenant sealed in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's drink together. This is a fellowship meal, and it's good to remember the fellowship uh, from whichever fellowship we belong. Um, it's an opportunity now to bring before God uh, those of uh, our fellowships, those of our families and friends who need a touch of God's hand. So again, if you're here in the church, please put your hand up and uh, a microphone will appear before you. And if you're at home, unmute yourself and just share as we um, bring before the throne of grace those folk who need a touch of his hand. Let's pray together. We bring to you Joan Presnell. Lord, we pray that you will bring your healing hand upon hers. Lord, would you give the family strength May they know your peace and your presence. Mm. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lord, we bring before you Pam Younger and Bob yeah. and their family, Lord. Lord, we, those of us on the prayer chain, got the prayer from, it, from, from her son from, about where Pam is and her feeling that her time on this earth is coming to an end. Lord, be with Pam. Lord, you alone can be with Bob, her family, Lord. Just support them at this time, Lord, when they seem to be facing deep grief, and yet Pam herself knows it's not much joy that awaits her. Amen. those who lost their loved ones, families who are mourning, mm -hmm. those who are sick in hospital, those who are hungry mm -hmm. for the sake of this COVID-19. The Lord Almighty, by your mighty hand, you take away this sickness, this infection mm -hmm. from this world and bring peace to the world again yeah. and help those Holy Spirit, comfort those who are mourning. Help those who are sick in hospital by your stripes. Make them holy and well again. In Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Lord, I... <clears throat> I just pray for also for those who are in hospital working there. I can see not just with their sickness, but how lonely they are, Lord. They can't get visitors. Most of them come in without anything on them. So for the whole day they're sitting there bored, wanting to see family and not knowing what to do, Lord. So I just pray that you give a sense of peace for that as well, Lord. Just give them a sense of peace as they are stuck there and Give them some comfort, Lord, just that, that you're there and that things will be okay, Lord. Amen. Father, we would pray for those in our fellowships, those in our families and our friends who've been shielding and perhaps at this time find it difficult to now go out again. Lord, we pray that you will be close to them, that you will speak words of comfort, words of peace into their hearts and minds, that as they venture out, that you will be standing next to them you will be, as it were, sitting in the passenger seat if they're driving. That they will take, you will take care of them. But Lord, we pray that you will give them the strength to make that first step. And often it is that first step which is the most difficult. But we pray that they might do that very soon. And that their lives will get back to normal. That they will feel the freedom of leaving their homes and going out in the fresh air, in the sunshine, 
knowing that you will be there, standing next to them every minute of every day. So we do ask for that measure of strength and perseverance to make those first steps. Father, we would also pray for Martin, for Sarah, for Sam and for Ella. Lord, we thank you that they've been able to have this last week off and that they've enjoyed a time uh, together as a family. And Lord, we just pray that you will bless them. And then as Sam goes back to university at some point during this week, that you will go with him. But Lord, as uh, the last few days of them being together as a family, will you make it such a blessed time uh, that it will last them until Sam comes back home again. But Lord, just bless them. We thank you for Martin, for the leading of this flock. We thank you that he is your shepherd in this place. And we pray that you will give him rest and peace. And that as he comes back this week, that you will have something new to share through him for us as your family here and those that join us week by week on Zoom. But Lord, we just ask that you will bless each one of us this morning that as we hear from you, that you will bless us. In Jesus' name, we ask it all. Amen. Thank you, Tony, for leading us through uh, that communion. We're now going to read from God's word, carrying on from Luke 24 um, and starting at verse 36. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them. We seem to have a really weird version for that. Don't know what's happened. <laughs> right. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled and who... Why do, you, who, why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bone as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they were still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened up their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He said to them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at, at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you uh, for the life that it gives to each one of us. And now, Lord, we just ask that you just bless Tony as he comes and gives your message to, for us this morning. Lord, would you warm our hearts as we hear your word? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Steve, and thank you to the team upstairs and all those uh, who've uh, helped to put this service back together again. Um, I'm not trying to pretend to be Martin for those that are at home and looking at the Zoom picture where it says Martin underneath me. Uh, it's just that I'm using his laptop. Um, uh, it was easier to use his than uh, use mine because that added other problems. Uh, so we look at uh, uh, this passage and uh, from Luke 24, and I've entitled it the power of the resurrection, the power of the resurrection. And uh, I'd like to uh, look at this passage with uh, three headings. Um, there were quite a few others that uh, I could have made, but in good Baptist tradition, of course, um, we, we have three headings. Uh, so um, here we go. These are the three. And it's uh, the power 
to change hearts. So it's about the power of the resurrection. It has the power to change hearts. It has the power to change lives. And it has the power to change our guide. So from that passage, perhaps you can see uh, where we're going to go with this. So the first one, the power to change hearts. Now in this passage, uh, as we read it through, or maybe as you've uh, read it before, you see there is a, a great big change in the hearts for, of the disciples from the beginning of this in verse 36 until we, and then there's a change to when we get to the end in verse 53, a complete change of heart during the time that Jesus is with them. Now, I don't know how you were feeling just over uh, 12 months ago uh, when we noticed um, around the world this uh, coronavirus was moving quite rapidly. Uh, it was moving across the world and uh, spreading to the UK. Uh, maybe you thought, well, we're an island and we're safe, um, but you saw it then coming closer and closer. And I must admit, I went through a, a bit of an emotional roller coaster as things were changing so rapidly. Um, and then it came to that point where Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, announced a national lockdown. Now, I don't know when, uh, what, how you felt when he announced that uh, lockdown, but certainly for me, and I'll admit it, my heart sank, absolutely sank. And I went through a period of fear and anxiety. And it was more than just a fear and anxiety for me, because it also encompasses my family, encompasses my friends, company, uh, we'll do the church as well, and uh, as a country as a whole. So what was going to happen during this lockdown? So there was a lot of fear. And uh, the fear, I think, the most in me was the fear of catching it. Uh, I'm not good, uh, for those that know me, uh, with medicine. I have a bit of a white coat syndrome. I don't like doctors. I don't like dentists. I don't like hospitals. And if I don't have to go there, I am more than happy. But if I go there, I'm in all sorts of trouble. You know, there has to be a, a toilet sort of every five minutes because that's how it gets to me. Uh, so there was this real fear of catching it and what effect it would have on me what it would have, effect it would have on all those that I knew. And of course, would there be fatalities from those in my family, those who I knew? So it was a very difficult time. But that was the fear. But there was also an anxiety within me, an anxiety of going out to the shop. Because for those that know Val, she suffers with asthma. And so uh, there was no way I was going to let her do any of the shopping. Uh, so I was the one that was going out. And there was this anxiety about going out to the shop. And about going out to exercise. Now, we love our walking. And so, you know, the pavements sometimes aren't as wide as they could be. Uh, but there was that anxiety of how close were people going to get to me? And how would they affect me? But as time went on, I got used to going to the shop. We got used to going to exercise. We got used to people being close, but not too close. And so some of the fear and some of the anxiety started to decline uh, until my daughter ended up in hospital twice uh, with a bad asthma attack, which we thought was that she'd caught the virus in the hospice that she was working in. But you see, that anxiety and that fear changed almost in an instant when Boris Johnson stood up and said, here is a pathway out of lockdown. And where my heart sank the first time, my heart was lifted the second time. Now, it's been a bit easier this last time because we knew what to expect. So the fear and the anxiety certainly hasn't been as much this time. Now with that as the example, we now look at this passage because here the disciples are in a similar position. They are fearful and they are anxious. But the beginning of the chapter 
or the passage, and at the end of the passage, that change. You see, they've just seen their friend, their Lord, crucified. And here they are, it didn't say it in the Luke passage, but it does say it in the other Gospels, that they were here in a locked room. So they'd locked themselves in a room, and they were full of fear and anxiety. They were fearful of the people that had crucified their Lord. They were fearful of the authorities, the religious authorities as well as the ruling authorities. And they felt safe in this locked room. And I'm sure uh, those that have been shielding felt safe in their locked rooms from this virus. And they would have been in fear for their lives, for their own safety and for the safety of all their friends because people would have known they were followers of Jesus Christ. So imagine the state they're in and the state I was in at the beginning of the, the first lockdown. So I can relate very much to this story. They'd seen their Lord and their friend crucified. And at the request of the Jewish authorities, it was done. And now in this locked room, outside, of course, is all the problems. Are all the authorities that have crucified their Lord waiting to capture them. So it's not surprising they had this fear and anxiety. But it's strange in a way because they would have heard all the stories about Jesus rising from the dead and having appeared to different people and yet they still had this fear and anxiety. And it changed in an instant well, almost in an instant, he had to prove himself first. Once Jesus entered that room, things changed. And they now find their crucified Lord standing in the midst of them. The door was locked, but he was there, standing in the midst. And so in a way, perhaps, it's not surprising that they thought it was a ghost. Um, I've never seen one, but um, on television they show them going through walls, don't they? Lock walls and gates and all sorts. But they were startled. They didn't expect Jesus to walk through their door or even to be in the midst of them. I wonder how we would have felt had we been in that kind of situation. Well, Luke uh, 24, the passage we read together in verse 37 it says this, they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And maybe we would have been the same had we been in that room. Now, this reaction of the disciples was not from, from those who expected Jesus to rise from the dead. Now, he told them all that was due to happen but they still had doubt in their mind and still had doubt even though they'd heard these accounts of Jesus rising from the dead. But now that Jesus had entered the building and once they got over the shock, things started to change for the better. And after he proved to them who he was and he was changing the subject, and ask for something to eat, something a ghost would not have asked for, to prove that this is the same Jesus Christ that they saw crucified. Not a ghost, but the real resurrected Jesus Christ. And things started to change in them. Now we heard last week in the other passage that their hearts were warmed when they recognized Jesus. And I'm sure it's the same for the disciples. Once they recognized who this was, their hearts were warmed. And the situation suddenly changed. They've lost the fear and the anxiety and are now enjoying fellowship with their risen Lord. What an amazing account this is. And then if you fast forward a number of verses, uh, we get to the end of the, the passage where 
the original fear and doubt has changed to praise and worship. And they're no longer going to do it in a locked room. They're actually now doing it in the midst of those who crucified their Lord. But he's risen from the dead. Death could not hold him. So their fear, their anxiety is gone. And they're going to worship Jesus Christ in the midst of these people who crucified him. What an amazing change. Locked room, fearful to now worshipping, praising in the temple in Jerusalem. Wow. And it says in verse 53, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. So that's the power of the resurrection to change hearts. Secondly, the power to change lives. And uh, in Luke 24, verses 46 to 47, it says this. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So it's not surprising, really, that they were praising and worshipping in Jerusalem. This was where the change was going to happen. See, Jesus' mission was now complete. He'd fulfilled all that the Father had asked him to do. He changed thousands of people's lives during his ministry here on earth. But now he's handing over the baton to his followers and handing it over to us. The gospel of Jesus Christ has the power to change and transform lives. Salvation changes us into a new creation by his love and the receiving of forgiveness of sins. I'm sure that we've all been involved or seen people drawing, uh, God drawing people to himself. And they move from death into life. There's a change in their life as they accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. Lives changed forever through, through people proclaiming and speaking about the love of God. And we had that amazing experience here in church last Sunday as someone gave their life to Christ after the service. That's the power of the resurrection. What an amazing experience it was last week. And I'm sure if you've experienced that as well, then you know that, uh, you know, your whole being glows as, as a new life comes into the kingdom. So repentance and forgiveness, they were told by Jesus, will be preached in his name to all nations starting in Jerusalem. And probably one of the most powerful ex examples of life-changing power of the gospel can be found in the life of the Apostle Paul, formerly known as Saul. And Saul was the fiercest opponent of the gospel, but he was also one of the greatest champions of the gospel as well. See, Saul was a Pharisee trained in all the details of the Jewish law. He was so enthusiastic for his religion. He felt it an honor and a duty to persecute those who did not think the same as he did. He was, it was his religious fervor that led him to hunt down, imprison, and even oversee the execution of Christians. But his life was about to change. On the way to Damascus, he had an encounter with the risen Jesus Christ. And this encounter was going to change his life forever. It was going to turn him around, as it were, dust him off, refocus him, turn him around and move on. And he became an enthusiastic proclaimer of the gospel. But he also got a new name, 
a new name of Paul. And soon after his conversion and he got his sight back, he spent some time with the disciples. He was found then spreading the good news of Jesus Christ everywhere he went and to whoever he met. And in Acts 9 verse 20 it says, at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. To preach and proclaim salvation through Jesus Christ. And you know, if the power of the resurrection can change Paul or Saul into Paul, then you can change anybody. So don't give up praying for those in our families, our friends, about you know, the gospel. Let's keep praying for them. Let's keep speaking. Because if God can change Paul, he can change anyone. The resurrection of Jesus turned Paul away from eternal death into eternal life through his conversion and belief in Jesus. And this is the message he preached wherever he went. This is the message that we should preach wherever we go. The resurrection turned his life around. And in the letter to the church at Ephesus, he writes, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgression. It is by grace you have been saved. See, God loves us with his whole heart, not just a bit of it, the whole heart. And he is so rich in mercy. And no sinner, no matter how bad, and Paul was pretty bad, has ever come to God and asked for mercy and depleted him of it all. It will not happen because God is rich in mercy. He's rich in love and just desires to pour it out to each one of us. So that's the power of the resurrection to change lives. Thirdly and lastly, the power to change our guide. And Luke 24 verse 49 says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So when Jesus started his ministry, he called his disciples to be with him during his ministry so that he could teach them and train them and guide them in what he wanted them to do. But it's now time for him to return home to the Father. However, the good news is that he wasn't going to leave them or us alone to fend for ourselves, but he was going to give them the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would be not only their new guide, but our guide at the same time. Left on our own, we would not be able to stand firm to live a righteous and faithful life because there's another power at work within the world that does not want that for any of us and will do everything he can to prevent it. But the Holy Spirit guides us in all truth and the Bible tells us that Jesus is the truth and he can set us free. It also tells us that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. So the Holy Spirit will guide us in the ongoing process of being set free from sin, from death, and free from anything that is contrary to the word of God. So there is a power at work that does not want any of this doesn't want us to walk in freedom that Christ has won for us on the cross. He wants us to be lost in sin and death and takes every opportunity to try and keep us that way. 1 Peter 5 verses 8 to 9 says this, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith. We can't do that on our own strength. We need the Holy Spirit to help us do that. 
and he guides us away from the deceit that the enemy uses as a tactic against us. Because often when this happens and the enemy attacks, we feel somewhere inside, don't we, that this is not right. Because he's sitting on our shoulders, speaking in those lies. But the spirit in us says, this is not right. This is not right. And we need to resist the enemy. Because his desire is to cause us lasting harm in this life and for eternity. But Peter makes it clear that our place is in eternity with our Father and our place is secure and the devil can never take it away from us. No one can pluck us from his hand. Isn't that amazing? That our place is secure in God through Jesus Christ. But you see, what he does try to do is to damage our faith by telling us lies and trying to deceive us, to destroy the relationship we have with God. As we started, Satan seeks to leave us fearful, weak, and ineffective Christians, just as he did to the disciples at the beginning of this passage that we read. And we cannot resist him on our own. And God knew we needed help to resist the enemy. So he gave us the Holy Spirit, who working in us speaks truth into our hearts and reminds us of who we are in Jesus Christ. And that is the power of the resurrection to change our guide. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are an amazing God. We've already prayed earlier that you can do more than we can ask or imagine. But you already know those different situations that we're going to find ourselves in. You knew that I would be fearful and anxious when this uh, lockdown was first um, announced in March last year. But you knew that would change. And we thank you it changes because you are our God. That you know us more intimately than we know ourselves. You know exactly what we need. And you knew that we would need help. And so we thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. Who guides us, teaches us and shows us the truth of who we are in Jesus Christ. Father, will you help us? to live lives that reflect that, that we are sons and daughters of Almighty God. And our place is with you in the new creation of heaven and earth. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, uh, Tony. Let's uh, let's finish our service by singing, Lord, I come to you.
God, as we go out into this week, Lord, we just ask for your blessing to be upon each one of us. May we walk in the power of your love this week. Lord, would you hold us close? Let your love surround us. Because we, we just want to give you praise. We want to be like those disciples who went from fear to, to just praising you. From, from being fearful and yet then going out into the streets and praising God. Lord, we, we just want to thank you and we want to bless you, Lord. Amen.